Hello there, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from the bowels of, it feels like hell, so hot down here in uh, the Keys in Florida in general. It's probably, you know, it's probably 90, 92 degrees, feels like 100, 100 with the humidity. But I know there's a lot of places, you know, it's hot. It's hot. It's fucking hot. Uh, but the Keys are lovely. It was a beautiful day. Uh, I went to, uh, we had a decent amount of traffic. We still have a lot of traffic down here. It seems like we have a decent amount of visitors, which we're thankful for. Uh, the, you know, the the restaurant industry and the hotels and the dive boats and the fishing boats. <clears throat> and uh, yes, you can enjoy them. Just be careful out there. Uh, I I do believe in uh, safe distancing practices. I'd like to thank all our listeners. We had recently had another uptick in listeners, which is great. And uh, I never have a problem with that. I've been doing more live shows. So uh, I'm going to try to set it for 1 p.m. So we may be able to get on the regular basis of uh, maybe a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday thing where... Uh, we, we can get the same time so people know if they want to call in, that's when they call in. But I, I'm doing, I'm putting a cart before the horse by putting the number out there and getting it out there. there uh, the number is going to always be 407-392-4563. That's 407-392-4563. Please feel free to call in um, when... Uh, I, well, whenever, I guess in the beginning, and then I'll ask you to call in uh, after we have done what we needed to do. But the way I see it is I'll just keep on doing it, and then I'll start getting the live callers and treat it like a radio show. And we'll do it at, we're going to do it at 1 p.m. That's my commitment. And uh, we're, the title of the show implies change and I think it's a great topic uh, due to everything that's happened. Change, change. There's good change and bad change, right? And sometimes bad things happen and some good comes about it. So that's the the spin you can put on something. Sometimes horrible things happen, much like nowadays, like, uh, oh, God. Almost everything, I even, I hate, I hesitate to say, but the worst things in the world that happen, um, the, uh, that, the worst things that happen, like the epidemic, it teaches the, uh, the world that we're interconnected, no matter, you know, if they think they're isolated, if, if you do trade um, internationally, you're, you're going to get something. You're going to have something come through the border, and we're going to have to deal with it on an international basis if we really want to get it taken care of. Much like 9-11, when we had the terrorist attack in New York, we had to deal with uh, uh, disgruntled uh, parties that uh, had a way of propagating or getting their views out there in a very the most negative way possible. So, yeah, it's possible to change, and I wanted to talk about that, but right now I wanted to get through uh, the keys thing. I went to the gym today. It was relatively, uh, uh, the gyms in uh, Monroe County are open, and uh, what they do is they check your temperature when you go in at the gym I belong to at uh, a hospital. That's also where I teach not currently they're not doing any group classes they have a, a s- small pad uh, where you walk up to and the camera's on and you center your face in and it uh, once your face is in there it takes your temperature and it uh, checks to see if you have an elevated temperature it doesn't check you eventually I uh, I imagine in some future epidemic or things like that there will be uh, a system of being able to test someone rather quickly if we survive and I think we do and that because of change but I went to the gym 
you go in there, you do, it's a two-step process now. First, you got to get your temperature checked, and then you got to, you know, scan yourself in. And then, in the weight area, they have a board where they have 10 people. You can have up to 10 people in the area, supposed to be six feet apart. And uh, you write in the time that you're in, and the time you get up to an hour. And, you know, when you leave, you you take your name out if you leave a little earlier. Obviously, if it's after the time, you should be leaving too. And then you have this um, the cardio area, which doesn't seem to get as crowded. Doesn't seem to get as crowded. But since uh, March, when we started all our shutdowns and things like that, I, I have uh, not been as vigilant about going to the gym. I started going to the to the park. Well, the gym was gym, all the gyms were closed, so I started going to the park, and it wasn't my thing doing calisthenics, running in a park, and things like that. And riding a bike got a little tiresome because I kept on riding past the same things, the same neighborhood. Riding, you know, riding up Route One down through the neighborhoods. Uh, We'll probably get back into that, too. Maybe we'll start doing some evening rides. But since the gym's opened up again, I'm able to uh, get back in my routine. And that is a thing about returning, somewhat returning to normal. Now, uh, talk about COVID-19. I uh, This doesn't have to do with COVID-19. Two months prior, three months prior, four, three... Three and a half months prior, I stopped drinking and, uh, on December 20th. And I had about a little over three months in when we started this shutdown order. And I had been sober previously five years before that for seven years. So I had, I remember when we had the first shutdown, I had no idea how long that, no one did, how long the shutdown would occur it could have been two weeks to three weeks I told you about a friend of acquaintance they're also friends who actually bought 32 handles uh, the the one and a half liter uh, bottles of Tito's vodka yep in order to get them through because they thought they were going to shut down liquor stores they saw I guess maybe they saw the, uh, the state of Pennsylvania shutting it down they thought they weren't going to uh be stuck. We are in the Keys, so if Florida shut down, had decided to shut down the liquor stores and things like that, there would have been, um, besides the islands around us, there would have been virtually a 500-mile trip to get to another place from where we are at the tip of Florida on the islands all the way up to get uh, refills. And for the shutdown, being uh, a newly sober, was not necessarily a hardship for me. I was home with my family. We get along very nicely. Uh, we had a couple disagreements. We were cooking a lot, spending time a lot. We rode bikes. We did th- a couple things separately. She may her sister lives a little further south of us and it was safe distance by going to visit her and standing outside of a fence talking to her uh, we do all sorts of things I mean we're when the keys are empty and they were empty because we shut down the uh, stretch to everyone except people that worked here and residents there wasn't a, there's there's virtually no crowds unless there were all the restaurants were closed except for takeout and to-go orders, and uh, I mean delivery or <coughs> delivery or to-go orders. So we didn't have didn't have a lot of large groups of people. Obviously, some people probably did have their uh, small gatherings. Now, I in the beginning that was that was a very quick change if you think about it from having a shutdown, a forced shutdown. I'm just going to speak locally, and you know what happened to you in your areas, wherever you're from. <clears throat> All the, you know, about what happened to procedures where they put the partitions up at the cash registers in retail stores, grocery stores, um, 
some people putting plastic sheeting with an opening there. I know places where uh, I'm originally from Philadelphia. I spent a lot of years there in the inner city. They used to have more secure uh, the the little uh, stores, the little corner stores in the, in the bad neighborhoods because they're prone to being robbed. They had small, some of them had those partitions up already. If you think about it, the bank had it too. A lot of the banks you go to have these plexiglass windows and they close the inside of banks which uh, have the plexiglass windows because I, I don't know why they closed the lobbies in that case. But I guess there's you're getting the inside because if people do have desks that aren't protected, so they didn't want people in there, just wanted to use the drive through So you think of all the things that changed, going to doctors, uh, not being able to go to a church, which is very important to some people. Uh, and other people, it wasn't a big deal because their relationship with their uh, higher power, whatever they uh, pray to, is a personal one, and the other one, other people are used to big gatherings and, and in the camaraderie of that. Same thing with bars and things like that. That's a huge change. That's a huge change. And you started hearing things like, "I can't wait." After a while, I can't wait until things get back to normal. It took about two months for uh, the keys to open up again. It opened up. On in, in May, it closed down sometime in April. So it was a little under two months. They had closed down the stretch to outsiders, people um, hoping to slow the spread because Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach, which are, still are hotbeds of uh, infection. And I know there's people out there, and not many listeners to show anymore because I try to stridently broadcast my views that it isn't fake it is serious and if you don't believe it is then I did in previous shows I try to tell people then they should probably be listening to things uh, their conspiracy shows their QAnon thing that everything is a conspiracy in the United States that uh, th- so we go back and we open up sometime in late May uh, prior to Memorial Day. We don't have a very big Memorial Day, but we had a lot of people uh, start coming down because you had people have vacation homes and they invited their friends down because everything was closed up in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And they closed down again eventually when they started to open up. They started to open up. I know it sounds like circular logic, but at the bar restaurant, when it was still open, they're practicing social distance and all that stuff. We were putting tables outside the bar so people wouldn't clump together. And uh, so they have to sit at the tables were were spaced six to eight feet apart so people weren't within six feet of each other. Uh, people would come up and say, I just can't wait to th- things get back to normal. And uh, I thought, well, it's never going to go back. It's just like, think about this. In 2000, a lot of people in the year 2000, a lot of people didn't have cell phones, they, though they were out there. And you had the Nokias and all that stuff. They were coming about. And they were, they were uh, just they were on the edge of the, you know, the, uh, the critical mass of people getting cell phones. But people still had hardwired phones in their houses. And that was the normal. And the normal thing was not to have a cell phone and have a hardwired phone in your house. Come to 2020... Uh, everyone has a cell phone. Not everyone has a hardware phone in their house. Uh, same thing with computers, uh, being able to talk on the phone and see a picture, do a live chat with someone, uh, group calls now. That, that's, that's the normal. So going back to normal, uh, I, th- I think that has changed to... Uh, to an extent that people won't recognize it. And they may be angry about it, but it's just one of those things that's not going to happen again. Now there will be eventually be gatherings going on where people won't have to wear, won't be suggested to wear masks because right now in South Dakota, there's about a quarter million people uh, starting today. A quarter million people are 
expected. Maybe maybe they'll have less because there are some people may they may they may end up with a hundred thousand, maybe under a hundred thousand. Who knows? Because I think we used to underestimate the level of carelessness in people. Now I think we're underestimating the level of caution in even some of the groups that would necessarily go to Sturgis in South Dakota. And they'll be sure uh, out there to be uh, ignoring the social distancing rules. Just for some reason, it turned out that uh, that type of gathering has become uh, almost like a political statement. When you make a gathering, and uh, first of all, young people of all elks don't really care. They have parties in L.A. They're showing drone photos of these houses where they have over 100 people uh, without masks. And we do realize right now that that's, uh, there's a high level of uh, low incidence of symptomatic breakouts among younger people. But it doesn't mean they can't catch it and spread it. And that's the thing. So when they're having the parties and are propagating, they're propagating the virus and things like that, uh, they're, they're endeavoring, it's called reactionary behavior. Reactionary behavior because you're reacting, uh, you, you're trying to bring it back to a former state. That it can be done, but it, is it suggested to be done? No. Having a bunch of people come together from that normally wouldn't be together, 100 people, 150 people, 200 people. I saw 2,000 people in some place in Wisconsin, the uh, Platte de Muerte or something like that, de Moore. I think it was the French or Spanish, the spelling, uh, which means the I, whatever table, flatland of death or something like that. And they had a big pool party or lake party there bunch of people without mask granted you you have people they people have died even let's say well if you don't have an if you have an underlying condition don't expose yourself but once you get uh, you know everyone you get a large pool of asymptomatic people walking around you don't know uh but when they blend it with other people, you don't know who's been careless and who's not careless, who's carrying it, who's not carrying it, and they're leaving behind little presents for people. Those are just the things they have to do. The reason why we uh, have the mask is so not to spread it to other people. Now, you also, a mask does help small restricting it. They've just realized the valves on it what that makes you breathe out easier breathe out easier but restrict the air coming in is a um, so you don't have build up carbon dioxide. I understand that and all that stuff. But the it's droplets. People said they point out the mass there the the virus is very tiny but the the droplets are larger. So if you carry a mass you're restricting the amount of droplets that come out. Yes, they could have maybe 10% of them come out, and they could be slowed down, too. So if you have a sneeze or a cough or you're breathing and you tend to put it out, it just restricts that flow of droplets in there that the virus attaches itself to. And then, you know, people argue over whether it works or not. But uh, eventually, like I said, with the history, with history, and this is the weird thing about history, that that's... uh, the, the truth will come out, will out with history, if you're a student of history. Now, sometimes people try to restrict history, like they do in school books, to try to say that the Civil War was not about slavery. But if you can find your way around to find the Constitution of the Confederate States of, uh, of America, you will find, mentioned more than several times, the institution of slavery uh, in it, and the protection of it was the primary reason for the rebellion 
So think about that change. We're going to change the Civil War. We we had um, Abraham Lincoln got elected. You had states start trying to succeed from the Union. South Fort Sumter, the the uh, the rebellion started when they fired on a federal uh, installation at Fort Sumter, and that was open shot. And eventually, through you know six hundred thousand deaths of Americans, we made the change. And even though people would like it, African Americans were freed, and uh, they were emancipated, and they were given a right to vote. It took a couple of years to even force people to exchange. If you think about it, it's almost like the mask, because they said the war is over. Yeah, you have to, uh, you have to let, you got to release all your slaves or free people now and stuff like that. They actually had to send troops down to Texas. That's where you go Juneteenth. If you check that out, that they were for two years after emancipation, they still had slaves down there after, uh, they, you know, there were certain places in the United States that did not adhere to the rule that people could not hold slaves. And they said slavery was, you know, it's, it was part of their economy. And a lot of people will say um, that, you know, they would eventually have freed their slaves because of technology. That's not a given because it wasn't let happen because there was a lot of countries out there, a lot of uh, Western countries. They weren't necessarily democracies yet that had outlawed slavery by that time, by the 1860s, France, uh, uh, United Kingdom, uh, but uh, the Russia still had a form of uh, slavery called, uh, it was more the peasant system, or serf, they were like serfs almost in Russia. It wasn't until much later for them, but it wasn't necessarily slavery either. But whenever anybody says they'd like to go back to normal, they want to go back to a time where they thought things were better. Now imagine at this time, with this level of faction, now we, uh, at this time, I think there's 161 recorded, 161,000 recorded deaths in the United States. And some of these people may say, oh, that's not exactly right. Well, I, I believe that's not exactly right because it's probably much more. Because not everyone that died was tested for COVID-19. And there's people that died at home. There's people that died of respiratory distress and all those things brought on by COVID-19. And we had this discussion before. It doesn't matter if you have stage 3 cancer or stage 4 cancer and you're, about, you're going to be dying in a month or two. If you walked in the street, into the street, got hit by a car, they would have listed the car as the reason. The car being a vehicular, death by vehicular an accident, pedestrian accident or something like that. They wouldn't list that, well, he was killed by a car, but eventually would have been killed by cancer. Nope, COVID-19. And a lot, of, and there's a lot of people that had, uh, you know, less uh, undercurring symptoms, you know, diabetes, a little weight problem and things like that. So let's talk about change. So is all change bad? No. Well, obviously in the case of slavery, change is bad. Um, Women's right to vote, that's not bad. Um, desegregation, there's an argument. Uh, if you're a segregationist, I probably would say, no, that's not necessarily a good thing. But desegregation was a means of distributing people across different uh, school systems and, and across a school system. So you didn't have schools that were all black and schools that were all white because I thought the resources were being not as responsibly distributed and um, that people were selecting schools and, and teachers that were getting uh, the better uh, slice of resources were going to all white schools. So you spread out the people in order to ensure that everyone had the same thing, had the same level, the starting point of ed education. 
Horace Mann, who created, who was a, the father of education in the United States, believed that uh, compulsory education and a good public school system was the hallmark and foundation for a strong democracy or a strong uh, country. And to this day, even a thought experiment, how would that not be? I mean, if you was, if if I made the argument and said good schools and good students make for a good population, a good population, a strong population, well-educated population, right? a more able, resilient population to be able to do things and create things and be more competitive in the global market, I think most people would agree. Now, some people disagree on how to get there. Uh, the current Secretary of Education believes that um, taking the money and putting it to charter systems and stuff, they think that might be a uh, a wise way to do it. Now, the reason that public education, we, we did well in the course of uh, the history of the United States, especially if you think about the things we did during World War II. And that was really changed. That was a big change. Prior to the attack in 1941, December, December 7th, 1941, prior, uh, prior to the attack by uh, the Japanese Empire on the naval facility of Pearl Harbor, the naval base of Pearl Harbor, the United States was uh, in the middle of an isolationist patch, let's say. What uh, they did not, Americans did not want to send their boys over to, and primarily was boys, and it's still to this day that way, but uh, there's a lot more women nowadays, but they didn't want to send boys into a European conflict, and they still didn't want, they wanted to be isolationists. Part of that isolation, isolationism was an undercurring support for some of the reactionary regimes in Germany, Italy, and Japan, the Axis. And uh, somewhat very minor because uh, Spain wasn't part of it. Spain, uh, Francisco Franco was a, a right-wing one. But there was a certain group in the United States of people that didn't believe we should have went to war, war with Germany. They were doing things they thought were good, fighting communism, uh, all this stuff that, uh, the, you know, combating the British Empire and uh, restricting the um, Soviet, uh, the growth of the Soviet regime into uh, influencing Eastern Europe, which uh, was a, a bastion or bulk work against Russia. So you had Poland, Hungary and all that. They were anti-communist. So the Germans went into these countries and eventually into Russia and stuff like that. The United States were thinking it was going on for there was a hot war over there for at least a year and a half uh, before the U.S. was driven, forced, forced to do it. Much like we had to do force when we had to uptick in, in some of these states where they were open and didn't have masks. Some of these states are saying, listen, you're going to have to wear a mask, just like the president was forced to wear a mask. You know, they say, listen, you got to wear a mask, even though you have everyone around him. He has the fortune, I swear to God, if he wasn't a president, and he had to wait seven days to get people tested around him. And he didn't know if they were infected. He would be wearing a mask. And we require everyone to wear a mask around him. But since... Uh, people can get tested before getting on Air Force One and coming near them and get those results in 15, 15, 20 minutes. He can go and shake hands with anybody, stuff like that. You're not going to see this guy just wade into a group at one of his rallies, if he does one of his rallies. He didn't wade into a group in Oklahoma. He's never done that. Really, gone. He, had, he would take a select group of people and uh, bring him into the Oval Office, maybe, and something like that, but he will, would never do that. So, World War II comes around, we go to war, America has uh, compulsory education, uh, public education, we're able to uh, ramp up the military at the time 
uh, right before World War II, we had, and I am going to think, the 16th largest military in the world. 16th largest military in the world. Within several years, we catapulted from within, just think of that, from the 16th, I think we were behind Portugal in a standing army. Ended up being one or two. If you wanted, you know, Soviet Union and the U.S. right there. And, you know, so, Soviet Union was taking on the full brunt of the, the Germans at the time. And at, during, uh, in 44, they, they were turning out thousands of fighter planes each day. I mean, each month. And tons of naval ships. There was every day they were launching several ships. There were support vessels and warships and things like that. And we're training hundreds of thousands of men. There were uh, at least uh, um, uh, I, at the time there was upwards of 15 million Americans in uniform. Over 10 percent of the population. We mobilized. We developed new uh, aircraft, weapon systems, uh, uh, decoding systems, sonar systems, and the Manhattan Project, all in the middle of a major war. The Manhattan Project, which developed uh, uh, atomic weapons. I was going to say nuclear, but I guess it's more appropriate with atomic. They're basically similar things. We did all that because we had the manpower and we had the people we had the people that were educated enough to use the equipment and to be to work as lab assistants we had a great university system and we also had uh, because we were welcoming to immigrants we had people that come in like Einstein uh, the actress who was it was it Hedy Lamar or I forget her name but she uh, there was an actress, uh, a Czech or Austrian actress or German actress who was married to a, uh, a Czech or Austrian industrialist who brought over, and she had an engineering background, and she brought over uh, the ideas for uh, pulse, sonar, pulse sonar that went into the torpedoes. So not only, so change happened. We were resilient enough from World War II to be able to bounce back. Now, other countries, think of it. Germany did. They had the willpower to be able to do it. But the one thing they didn't embrace would change. They didn't like to have women working in the factories. They had a very, they, they need, they want to have their women uh, giving birth to children. Producing, they, have a, they had a long-term plan, 20, 20 30, 50-year-old, 1,000-year Reich. They were thinking about having a all the women should, uh, if you're an Aryan woman, stay home, have as many children as you want, as you can, to support the fatherland. But they had a problem with their uh, manpower when it comes to factories. So they had, they were producing pretty good while the Allies were bombing, but they were shutting out. 50% of the resources and they had a very well educated population too and uh, if luckily they didn't do what would have been wise was retest the women into the armaments industry they tried using slave labor concentration camp uh, and other people that weren't suitable for uh, military uh, and they, they couldn't catch up so if you look at uh, the the Allies, the Soviets, the Americans, the Soviets were using female marksmen, female pilots. The Americans were having female pilots uh, ferry uh, planes over to England. It was a uh, it was all hands on deck, and uh, women were leaving the home to go to work. Women did not work before World War Two. They did a lot of people. They did obviously there were some poor women that worked in the garment industry and things like that. In the agricultural industry and the service industry, but not so widespread in heavy industries. 
if you think of Rosie the River, was a big change having Rosie the River as a symbol of female empowerment and uh, helping out for the war effort. And they uh, would leave their homes. They started establishing more daycare, so the, uh, the kids were taken care of while their mothers were at work, and they were in, out there working, getting out of the house. That changed after World War II. So all these changes occurred, if you think about it. And then, after World War II, we have the GI Bill. Now, big change happened in World War II and after World War II. After World War II, we saw a migration of people moving to the suburbs. And in order to develop that, the suburbs, they need to have homes. In order to have homes, people need to have access to low-interest loans, hence the GI Bill. They, uh, you know, you had uh, these young GIs are coming back from World War II. They were giving, uh, t- you know, aid for college tuition, uh, low-interest loans to purchase houses, vehicles. Uh, industries were going. All Europe was torn up from World War II and developed the world. So U.S. was reconverting their factories to consumer goods, and uh, we were net exporting so much, and we were being able to do that and um, be the bulk work against the expansion of the Soviet Union in Europe by uh, putting forces in Europe and supporting their uh democratic institutions so change occurred there and we tried the we have the cell phone change we have entertainment change we had uh, the women voting from 1917 uh, we had the peace movement during the Vietnam War all these things happen rarely have people gone back gone back into a thing on the past now there are times in history I could cite the Dark Ages, the fall of the Roman Empire, when the plague came around, when the infrastructure is taking out of a system, some countries have fallen back. Uh, Greece, Rome, for hundreds of years, uh, Greece was a backwater after it was the height of civilization. But after they were uh, lost their power, and uh, the Romans took over. Greece became, you know, still they, uh, Greek ideas came about. You had the uh, philosophers. Uh, the um, Library of Alexandria was burnt, things like that. And Greece for hundreds of years kind of fell back. But it did happen. No one, if I, I was Greek in, let's say, one 1100 AD I would eventually I'd probably want to go back to um, what it was like right around 200 BC B, uh, BCE if you want to you know, be politically correct because they had a better standing of living but they still had slavery and things like that so rarely does going back to normal affect the positive change because the thing that happened before wasn't necessarily the right thing you think about it in uh, certain places in in the Middle East uh, I don't know if they still do in Saudi Arabia but they amputate the hands of chronic offenders and there's people probably in the United States that think uh, thieves that steal should have their hands cut off and I, I for one believe it's uh, a little extreme you know but uh, that would be nice to change they, they can't currently drive in uh, Saudi Arabia women I think they may have gotten the right to drive but they still I think they still have to travel with a uh, male relative if they leave so change isn't Change isn't all bad, and change changes about the things that make us stronger, really, in the end. The space program, polio vaccine, compulsory education, the right to vote, uh, technology revolution, gosh, the agricultural revolution, 
they're all things that institute change. So going back to, I want to go back to the way it was. Yeah, there'll be a day more likely than not where we won't have to go out with our mask. That would be great. I love that. I love that. There is nothing, they're not trying to change it, but it, I, I for one have changed. Like I told you, I haven't drank. I needed to change because it wasn't healthy for me. It was my, it was my decision. But if I was drinking and then I was going out and driving and then, you know, running people off the road, hitting people, killing people and stuff like that, I would have to be stopped, wouldn't I? And if I kept on doing it, they'd have to put me in jail, right? Take away my license, put me in jail, whatever order that is. And that's a loss of freedom. What's the difference now if you're doing something that's hurting other people? Now, you're disputing whether you're hurting other people. Like I said in previous episodes and stuff like that, uh, in the 1800s, at a certain time, they didn't believe there was such a thing as uh, germs or uh, viruses or things you couldn't see that would cause you harm. And everything... it would cause you harm was visible to the human eye. And then Dr. Lister came about and said, listen, he was teaching good hygiene practices, operate, uh, uh, you know, surgical hygiene practices. And, and deaths due to operations dropped dramatically. Then you had penicillin and things like that. So just because you don't believe it's there doesn't mean it isn't. There, you've, you've been wrong before. I've been wrong before. But eventually, you'll see the light. Hopefully, you'll see the light. But change is not a bad thing. I feel better than I have felt in years. I miss the conviviality of having a couple drinks. But my problem was, I didn't necessarily know how to uh, stop. And then when I drank, let's say I was being able to manage it. Sometimes I'm able to manage it. Then my health started uh, being affected. I could drink. If I metered it out, I could probably finish a bottle, easy uh, bottle of bourbon a day, not get it behind the wheel of the car. Is that the way I want to live? Is that the healthy way to live? No, it's not. And in the long run, it, 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 I made the decision not to, and that's change. And going back to the gym and working out um, because my body's changing. Now, that's a forcible change I don't have anything to do with. But the only thing I can do about it that's positive is uh, to take care of my body as, uh, as much as possible. You know, lift a little weights, do a little cardio, try to eat right. I did, you know, sometimes... I have, I do have that kind of personality. I got this mint thing, and I would go through like 50, 60, 70 mints a day. And I knew I couldn't do that. Eventually, it was right out my teeth, even though I brushed my teeth like eight, ten times a day. Um, and that'll, that'll destroy your teeth just as much, uh, wearing off your enamel. But <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. This show's about change. And sometimes change is good. Some people say, to me when you see an older person come in you come in contact with them and says don't get old and I'd say I'd have to put a caveat with that it wasn't be don't get old don't get decrepit right getting old is an admirable goal right being old and fit and vibrant that's a worthy goal. So change, change, I can say, yes, change is good. Well, Jim, what if I just, uh, what if I started using heroin and stuff like that and, when, you know, just go out and do crazy shit, you know, um, driving my car, rob people, run a couple scams, have unprotected sex. Well, that's not, that's not change. That's going off. That's going off. Uh, that's off your rocker. You know, the change. When someone says there was a change, it's usually an 
uh, it's object objectively speaking a change occurring and in your head if you think of change if you embrace the change and think of change could be good if uh, you take it as a Darwinian proposition that adaption and improvement and strengthening the, the to be able to adapt it to adapt to uh, new factors in the environment. There's a virus out there, a novel virus that wasn't present in the humans uh, before, and it's hard to combat at the moment. But the change of being social, you know, maintaining social distance, using a mask, washing your hands, uh, practicing all sorts of smart hygiene on your surfaces and your items that you have your personal items just makes sense that's a good change and eventually those changes will probably pay off in the long run they'll look back and say you know what because of the coronavirus yes we lost uh, eventually it'll probably be a couple million people because they're not recording all the deaths and stuff like that it'll be you know how, how many people five six seven million people they'll figure out died of this once they realize the people that died that didn't get diagnosed but they'll know that years another any other outbreaks when there's another flu outbreak or something that's communicable from person to person we're going to be able to say hey listen we got a hold of this and we say we could do it locally and if we can catch that spread locally then they don't have to deal with it in special rest of the state if there's an outbreak down in Monroe County you know we do that it could be in Ocala Duval let's say out of state Bucks County Pennsylvania you just shut that down for a little while that one county the government can come in and help when I talk with resources not with uh, you know police forces you know not with police forces but with resources uh, like health uh, financial resources, things like that. And you don't have to do the whole country thing. So change isn't always negative. Change is good. And change is always happening. It's going to happen, whether you like it or not. Uh, environmental change happens where, you know, we're, we're calling it king tides and stuff like that, but we're having sea level rise. But eventually you're saying, well, no, no, it's not the reason. That's not the thing. Well, eventually the water is going to be up to your you know, asshole. You're going to have to admit it. Oh, water's gotten higher. Where'd it come from? I don't know. It's emperor tide. Emperor tide. Does those make up a new word for it? <coughs> but change does happen. And, uh, it's dependent on the outlook you have with it. If you see it as a positive thing and you embrace it and you make it work for you, there's people out there, or you can see it on the television stuff like that. People are selling masks, buffs, cleaning service. Serve Pro, a cleaning service company that mainly came after flooding or hurricanes and things like that, or they could come in after you had a local disaster, a fire, something to come in and get the smoke damage done or get mold out of a place. Now ServPro has this infrastructure where they can go in and disinfect and they say, listen, we'll do a daily disinfection of your place for so and so amount of money. Making it, you know, it, they are right position. How about the uh, uh, grocery delivery services? Holy shit going through the roof. Instacart. I haven't seen, we didn't, prior to COVID-19, we had some grocery delivery down here. Now we have tons of grocery delivery. And we have a population of people that are experienced doing the work. Is it good work? Maybe yes, maybe not. My, my feelings is maybe not. If someone were wanting to call and that's why we have the calling shows that uh, does Instacart. We'll do that on another show. Uh, that change has occurred. And so has the Grubhub thing. It has expanded. 
people, restaurants are doing takeout that never did takeout. I have a feeling that a lot of the times those delivery things are actually a negative thing for restaurants. But when I say negative, negative for revenue, it's not a revenue enhancer. It's a gross enhancer. When I say gross, it increases your gross income. But in the end, your net income will will be hurt by it. And you'll see that with all the restaurants that are going to be closing, that it just doesn't cut the mustard. Well, I went on, I didn't even talk about the, I, I'm glad I didn't talk about me all that much. We talked about other things. And I hope someday, if I keep on doing it at 1 o'clock, and then maybe I'll do the 1 o'clock on Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, throw in another show with uh, an, a guest uh, on one of those days. But hopefully we'll be able to uh, keep this going. It has added new vigor to my life. This has been a change for me. I'm still doing this, though. Uh, and I'm happy. I'm happy it's helping me. And I'm happy that you're listening. Uh, please share this show with your friends. Become a subscriber. Uh, remember that number I gave you. I'm going to remember it someday. It, you can call it during the live shows, 407-392-4563. And uh, we'll, hopefully we'll talk uh, in person during the show. Till now, thank you. Take care. Be safe. Stay healthy. Bye.